It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's doing the Macarena. His name is James Rapine. Today is time for the weekend mailbag. The Bengals conveniently putting their off day as James cracks a cold one open just in time for us to do our own weekend mailbag. We've got a handful of questions to answer. Before we get into the questions, James, one of the tweets we recently liked on the Lockdown Bengals account comes from Lonnie. He said, you need to be crushing a built bar on a YouTube broadcast. And instead, we get a, a cold a cold brewski today or, or some sort of carbonated beverage. I'm not really sure. You've got it smartly placed in a koozie, so we'll never know what's in there. But uh, maybe next time we'll get a built bar for next Thursday. The first question we're going to take today, James, comes... From Zach, Zach Iowa Bengals at Brimey82 on Twitter. And he would like to know about tackle depth. He calls it a massive issue and indicates that he would like to know what the possible options are for the Bengals to add. And do you think they will add depth to tackle? He says that Brian Callahan said in his interview that he thought that they needed some help on the offensive line as I wipe a bug off my neck. What was that? <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, first off, uh, you know, the, the mystery is here. What am I drinking? You know, maybe it is just a carbonated beverage, but, uh, as far as uh, tackle depth goes, yeah, absolutely. Zach, you, absolutely. They have to go out and they have to get somebody. I, I think that that's been a long time coming. I've talked to other people, um, that cover the team. They feel the same way because I like to get different perspectives to make sure Jake and I aren't just you know, like this and, and have our blinders on and just focused in one area. And uh, yeah, I think everyone outside looking in sees it, feels it. Hopefully Duke Tobin sees it and feels it. Hopefully Mike Brown sees it and feels it. And, and you get my point here. As far as options, it's thin. I, I'm not going to lie. It's thin to you. Now, there are some guys out there. I wrote about a couple of them for allbengals.com. A, a famous guy, really, on our podcast here, Jake, is Rick Wagner, right? The former Packers right tackle and a guy that would be honestly a perfect fit. Now he's 31 years old. There were some rumors. I don't even know if it was reports, but rumors that he was considering retirement. Is that the case? If not, bring him in, uh, right? And, and I'll give you another one. Russell Okung is out there. I don't think that that's realistic, but I'll just say his name because he is probably the best tackle on the market right now. But what about DeMar Dotson, 35-year-old, right tackle, spent 10 years in Tampa Bay last year with Denver. He's not going to blow your socks off by any stretch, but he's a proven tackle. And if you need to go to him in a pinch, I think that works. And the beauty of the Bengals is they have two proven left tackles. They're just moving Riley Reef to right tackle. So if you bring in another right tackle, then if 
Jonah Williams, who's only played in 10 games, goes down. You can just kick Riley over to the other side where he is comfortable, and, and then you would promote Dotson. So I, I think that there are options out there, and those are a couple that would be at the top of my list. Yeah, the challenge remains finding a guy who's willing to come in and be a backup, especially if they are you know starters throughout their career, maybe late career starters. Uh, probably becomes a little bit of a challenge, like we mentioned, in terms of balancing the roster. So if you add a guy and he's going to make the team, that means you got to cut a guy. And, you know, they probably see that as a bit of a zero-sum game, and it kind of is a bit of a zero-sum game. You only have so many roster spots, and so it is a little bit challenging. But I, I think you and I both agree that if they can find an upgrade, either a starter, which I don't think they can at this point, or depth, which I do think they can at this point, I think it's worth exploring. Somebody asked about Larry Warford. We're going to talk about him, I guess, in a few minutes. We'll we'll talk about, you know, is that a guy that's still out there? Or maybe we'll just roll it into this question. That's from KB Bruhaha, and he wants to know what guy you're pounding the table for. And I just don't know if that guy's out there for me, but you you clearly feel more passionately about this. To me, maybe the way to solve this is is find a trade partner or or something like that. And I'm not good at identifying who the trade candidates are and everyone's always in the market for quality offensive linemen. So it is challenging, but I I just don't know that any of the guys that are out there make a ton of sense outside of Rick Wagner, if he wants to play football. Sure. And and so that would be the guy at the top of my list probably, but you know what I would do and call me crazy here. Feel free to, but let me give you the scenario. Riley Reef's under contract. I asked him day one, if he was open to playing guard, because I didn't think a Riley Reef deal would have prevented, and I still don't think it prevented the Bengals from taking Penny Sewell. And so at that moment, it's like, oh, well, maybe Reef kicks inside to guard. I would call Russell Okun, and I'd say, look, we know you've played uh, left tackle for years and years and years. We're going to offer you one year, nine million bucks. You're going to play right tackle for us, and you're going to block for Joe Burrow. And Maybe he takes it. And if he does, then Reef at guard, to me, based on what I've seen, is going to be a nut. It's going to be an upgrade, but regardless. Uh, you know, I, I think he's better than Xavier Suofilo. I don't think Jackson Carmen's necessarily ready yet. And, and so now suddenly you feel a little bit better about your depth and it improves that aspect. So that's, again, without exploring trades, because I haven't looked at that and you're right, it's it's tough to predict, you know, what guys are going to be available and stuff like that. Am I crazy there for laying out that scenario? And do you think the offensive line would be better? Look at me with my own mailbag question for Jake Lisko. I do think it's a little crazy uh, because I, I think you're, you're asking for a lot of people to do things that they haven't done. And so we don't know yeah. if they would be willing to do or if they'd be good at. So Russell Okung, you mentioned, been a left tackle for his whole career. Would he be good at right tackle? Maybe he's a pretty good player, historically pretty good player. Would Riley Reef be good at right guard, left guard, what, whichever guard spot you want to put him at? I don't know. Oh yeah. Would would they be willing to do it? I know Riley Reef said he'd do whatever the team wanted him to do, but you know he he's going to say that in a press conference. Who knows what he's saying to coaches if if they were to approach him with that sort of idea behind closed doors? So uh, there's just a lot there that would have to go right. Would I do it? Do I think it can make them better? It could. It would certainly improve depth. But that's the challenge that, that you and I have talked about for the last few days is 
adding somebody who's going to be a starter who isn't a starting guard who can kick out to tackle, but instead of starting tackle that could kick somebody to guard is just politically, I think, a little bit challenging. Could be challenging to find the right players to enable that. And so it's it's probably a little bit crazy. It's probably also true that it would probably make this team a little bit better. Look at that. Look at GM James finding solutions to the problems and Jake agreeing at least a well, little bit. You agreed a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> oh my goodness. We have a, a ton more questions, but I, I think, I think Jake, uh, before we get to those questions, and maybe I should do this. You think I should send the Bengals offensive line, a bunch of built bars. Maybe that's going to help them bulk up. I, here's what I know is built bars are the number one protein bar on the planet. We talk about them all the time here on Locked On Bengals, and whether it is the nine delicious flavors or the fact that they're covered in 100% chocolate, they're awesome. And the best part is the macros. High in protein, low in sugar, low in calories, low in carbs. I mean, they are perfect for your diet as you try to lose a, a little weight before summer vacation. Maybe if you got a late summer vacation, maybe you're just trying to get in better shape. Or maybe you're like Jonah Williams and you're trying to bulk up. Built Bars fit every person's diet. You can fit it in and they uh, they taste great. So you should check them out right now at built.com. And, and when you're checking out, use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Oh, yeah. Get your 15% off those built bars. James, I don't think you should send the offensive line built bars. I think that'd be like Chad Johnson sending the Cleveland secondary Pepto Bismol. Why? I just think that's how it'd be, you know, I, I don't know if it would be well received. Like, you guys need to be stronger. Here's a protein bar, you know? Well, hey, they can lift with me too if they want. It's no problem. I we, feel we like we can go to the the LA fitness and get a lift in. Yeah. I think that might also be insulting. I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just, come on BP, Billy price. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Billy price would probably he would demolish. I double know, your I list. Know, I know. Billy price is enormous. I, I met Billy price when I was at Paul Brown stadium two years ago, he sat, you know, beside me at, at this little table in the, I don't know if it's still called the Jack club or whatever the little club is right inside yep. the, the home tunnel. Yep. And he was sitting there and, and the guy is so big. Like, I think one of his legs weighs as much as my entire body. No, I mean, he's huge. I was just, you know, I was kidding. But, you know, the built bar part will help. Lifting with me, not so much. But the uh, the built bars will help. So maybe I should just send them the promo code. Yeah, I mean, maybe just talk to Emily and see if, you know, if anybody's interested in a promo in, in a built bar or in a protein bar, we, we have a deal for him. Maybe don't go directly to the players. Our next question comes from Jeff Johnson at Jeff underscore Johnson 73 on Twitter. And he would like to know how much of the offensive struggles in camp you think have to do with Joe Burrow's change in mechanics 
detailed in Bruce Feldman's article on The Athletic. We talked about it a little bit on yesterday's episode. Have you noticed anything different about the way he's throwing the football in camp? Yeah, I mean, like we've talked about the zip some. I I think, honestly, without comparing like slide by slide or or just looking at a, a short video of him in camp last year to this year, which I haven't done, you, you know, the naked eye isn't going to notice much. Um, now, it might be obvious if you put the video side by side. That being said, it, it could have a little bit to do with it because if you've done something one way for so long and now you're trying to tinker with it and come back from the knee, and like you you said on yesterday's show, he admitted in his first news conference that he was still thinking about it a little bit. So I, I think that that part matters, right? That part is is the, eh, it could impact them a little bit. At the same time, is that why the offense is struggling? No, absolutely not. And uh, this is a good question because it, it's also a reason to not panic because practice is for tinkering. Practice is for practicing and, and changing things and tweaking things. And he needs as many reps as he can with these new mechanics. So he is ready to go for September 12th. He's not worried about August 12th or August 14th. He's worried about September 12th. And so, yeah, it might have a little to do with it as he tweaks and and does different things. Yeah, we talked about it, like I said, in yesterday's show. He could be thinking about it consciously. It might not be fully internalized, Mm -hmm. muscle memorized yet, you know, and it could be a part of it. But at the same time, James, I'm actually skeptical that this really has anything to do with it. Like, I'm not dismissing it outright, but Mm -hmm. it's hard for me to believe that you know, a a change in the way he's planting his feet when he throws is responsible for the issues. Like we've had wide receiver drops. That's not on Joe Burrow changing his mechanics. We've had backup linemen that are getting beat by starting linemen. That's not on Joe Burrow's mechanics. So it can't all be chalked up to Burrow's mechanics, but maybe some of the slightly missed targets could have something to do with it. You know, for getting throws that are off a, a couple feet in one direction or another at the same time, Joe Burrow's calling card as a pro in his last year at LSU has been phenomenal accuracy. And that just doesn't Mm -hmm. go away. And so it's not something that I'm worried about unless it becomes a much longer term issue and trend than we've seen so far. That's fair. Next question comes from Bengals 2023 Super Bowl champs at Twan underscore Bengals. I love that name. How about that? 2023. I would love to uh, cover a Super Bowl champ, so that would be cool. Uh, Which end of the year ranking, Jake, is the most plausible? One, the Bengals offense being a top 10 scoring unit. Two, the Bengals defense being a top 15 overall unit. Or three, the Bengals offensive line being a top 20 unit. These are all actually sort of close, which makes this a really good question. This is this is actually something that if you were to like put odds on it, I think it would be maybe Bengals offense being a top 10 scoring unit would be the, the favorite. The early reports out of camp would have you believe that the Bengals defense could be a top 15 unit. I don't know how much you buy those reports, you being the generic you, not you, James Rapine. And as far as the Bengals offensive line being a top 20 unit, well, they haven't shown us that so far, but Jonah Williams reportedly having a very good camp and we haven't really heard too many complaints about him. I don't think we've heard too many complaints about 
Quentin Spain at left guard. So maybe the left side is good. And if Riley Reef is healthy, I think, you know, those three guys could be a top 20 trio. If Trey Hopkins is healthy, that's four guys that can be top 20 material. And then it really comes down to, well, is Xavier Sofilo going to do it? Is Jackson Carmen going to do it? And that is the challenge. But I think if I were ranking these from most to least likely, it might actually be the Bengals offensive line being a top 20 unit most likely. And it would be entirely dependent on the starters staying healthy. Because I think if the starters do stay healthy, especially those first four guys outside of right guard, there's a real chance that they do it and and are, you know, a top two thirds offensive line. That's not a huge stretch. That's not asking really a whole lot because they're going to be bad offensive lines in the NFL, especially as injuries start to pile up. It's a much bigger leap for the offense to go from one of the worst scoring offenses to one of the best scoring offenses. It's a much bigger leap for one of the worst defenses to go to being one of the top half defenses. At the same time, based on what we're hearing out of camp, the secondary is looking very, very good. The linebackers took a big step, if you believe Zach Taylor. And so maybe there is potential for that defense to be a top 15 unit. And then the offense is very easy to make the case. It's, hey, Joe Burrow's here. And if Joe Burrow's here, that means we have a chance with these weapons, if the offensive line can be remotely healthy, to get going and be on track. James, did I lose you entirely? Are you gone? No, I'm not gone. Sorry about that. Dog bark. That's what happens. You know, I, I hit uh, I hit mute there and went away. Uh, no, look, uh, I think you're probably right, but little old bold me with the 30 points a game, I'm – I'm still sticking with that. So I think if I had to rank them, as you shake your head, it would be top 10 offense. Uh, that's where my expectation is for this offense. And I know Burrow's coming off of an injury, but let's just say it out loud. If Zach is anywhere close to what he was supposed to be when the Bengals hired him, this offense should be humming by the time actual games matter. Burrow should be, let's just say he's a top 15 quarterback. Okay, well, if a top 15 quarterback is throwing to the fifth overall pick, a second round and arguably the best slot receiver in the league, and another second rounder in T. Higgins, who's one of the the better rookie wide receivers last year in a great class, plus Joe Mixon, plus Auden Tate, plus you know Mike Thomas and probably Trent Taylor. I mean, there's just a lot of weapons, and, and they're deep in the right spots. And so I, I think this offense could do that. The defense, I'm not buying it all the way yet. I, I think that it, that's still of... Uh, all the units, as you know, you're talking offense, defense, special teams, uh, the one I would be most concerned about. Uh, and then the offensive line, we'll see because injuries happen. And we're learning that now, and that's the scary part. Because on paper, you're right. The, the starting offensive line, if healthy, 80% of the line, I'm fine with. But that right guard spot's really the only issue, and someone will emerge, I would imagine, the problem is, is the moment someone goes down, the ripple effect it has and how it impacts everything else. So if I had to rank them most likely to least likely, I'd probably go offense top 10, defense, and then go offensive line. And hmm. uh, that's uh, I, I get it. The gap is different there, right? But I, I just I'm worried about the depth and I don't think they're going to listen to me and, and go out and, and get one of these, these guys, not that that would necessarily solve it and make them a top 20 offensive line, 
But I just think they need more depth. Yeah, I just don't know that I, I mean, yeah, I guess I see that as slightly more likely that the offensive line somehow gets through than the defense. It's just like such a big leap that that this is asking for from the defense and the offense overall. It's a much smaller jump for the offensive line, although it would be a considerable and appreciable improvement. This is David Harrison of the Locked On Commanders podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Discover. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. James, there's been a lot discussed about Joe Burrow in the preseason, and a lot of people had this question, especially after the perceived and reported early issues or struggles or whatever word you want to use, the performance from the offense in training camp. And 64 Hoops, at 64 Hoops, one on Twitter, would like to know that if if you were Zach Taylor, how much preseason would you have Joe Burrow play out of the three games? And I'm going to add to this to put some context around it. Game one is very soon against one of the better defenses in the league in Tampa Bay. Game two is in Washington, where he got hurt. And game three, we're not necessarily expecting to see a whole lot of starters on the other side. So given those ideas and what we know about ACL re-injury risk being much greater before nine months, how much would you play Joe Burrow in the preseason? I've kind of went back and forth on this the past couple of days because you, you want this offense to get in sync. And I think it's going to be a, a more of a timing thing that they just need to get in order because you want to crush the Vikings when they come to town on the 12th of September. And so to me, you're right, 14th, too soon. Uh, you're not going to bring him back eight, what, six days later uh, against Washington in the place he got hurt. That's ridiculous. I would never do that. And he, w- he would say, no, let me go. I'm not doing that. Plus, their defensive line is probably the best in the NFL. One of them, the best in the NFL. Like, no, thank you. So that third game, Miami, home, that's where you're starting the season anyway. That's where you're comfortable. I get it. It's kind of weird because it's the final preseason game. And the, the the third game has historically been the dress rehearsal. And then the fourth game is basically you're punting all your starters. I would roll with every damn starter on that third game. And that's as of now. That changes with injuries and stuff. But to me, I would go out there. I would get Burrow eight to ten snaps. And hopefully that's just one drive where you march downfield and you throw a touchdown to chase and get the damn entire fan base excited, right? But that's what I would do. That would be my plan as of right now. And a few days ago, I would have said, don't play him in the preseason. But to me, I think he's going to need it and going to want it. And I asked Jamar Chase about it. He wants reps with Burrow during the preseason. All these other receivers have been asked by reporters, hey, do you want you want to get out there? They do. I would give him a couple reps here and hopefully it's just one drive, a successful drive, eight to 10 snaps. And you do that August 28th against the Dolphins at home in a place where Joe Burrow is comfortable. Yeah. I would still give him zero snaps personally. I would not play him in the preseason, but that is the scenario, right? That's what we talked about when we, we had this conversation a couple days ago and 
I, I don't like doing it in the first game. I think it's too soon. I agree with you there. I think you and I both hate the idea of him doing doing it against Washington in the same defensive line in the same place. That just seems like a nightmare waiting to happen. And mm-hmm. then game three, th- there's like a perfect storm scenario where you might feel like sort of confident about it. But at the same time, do you really want to risk him in, in a meaningless preseason game, like a, an especially meaningless preseason game in the last one when the Dolphins probably aren't playing starters? Because I don't think anyone expects starters to play in the last preseason game across the league. But the scenario would be you're playing against backups, right? The Dolphins have their practice squad guys out there. So maybe, maybe there's a world where you treat it as, you know, you get one drive and you better dominate these guys because your starters and their training are practice squad guys. And so there's like a world there where maybe you feel reasonable about keeping them safe. You feel reasonable about the risk. But it's not just Burrow is the thing. Everybody's got to go full go. And you can bet that all these guys that are trying to make a practice squad are going to go full go too. And that's just how football works. There's always a risk of injury for all the starters. So the, the, the thing that makes me ultimately land on, I don't want to give Burrow any preseason snaps is in order to make him, you know, as safe as possible, you need to play the rest of the starters, which risks everybody in that last preseason game that doesn't matter. And I would rather get as many people to the regular season season healthy. I, I hear the arguments and I know he wants to play. I know the wide receivers want him to play, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Let me ask you this. What if the Bengals were doing joint practices? Would Burrow be in on any of them or would you just not put him in on any of them? I don't know. I don't really know. Like, and, and it's I, different because he doesn't get he doesn't get hit in joint practices. So, with that being said, I'm just curious because that's what that's how I envision it. Is literally you're trotting them out there, and I get it. You're right. You're risking other guys too with the the debut of the 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 regular season two weeks away. But to me, unless they just start getting in sync and and feeling it, like it's going to be so valuable for these guys to get on the field. Cause the last thing you want is this to bleed into, and I know we're light years away, but bleed into week one and them not being on the same page and Patrick Peterson picking off Burrow and taking it to the house and signing it for his uh, LSU brethren. Right. Here's the thing. I, I don't actually care because it's, it's long, it's a long-term thing. Right. And so if it's one regular season game where they're a little rusty, yeah, that's not ideal, but it's just not worth the risk to me. I, I totally get it. I hear where you're coming from. I just think ultimately it lands on, I don't want to risk 11 guys in, in a third preseason game. And, you know, maybe the, maybe the other world is like in the fourth quarter against Washington or something. I don't know. I, I just can't Uh-oh. find a place where I like it. And I can't do that because I want him. I want him to come in. I want him to warm up like he's the starter and then start right yeah. and go through his routine. And, 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 and by the way, I, I would have him go through all of that anyways in yeah, all these preseason games for sure. The, the warm ups. Yeah, I just don't think you risk him and the rest of the starters in the final preseason game. I, I think that's just like that would be radical. That would be an insane idea to try. I think. Gotcha. 
Yeah, I, I mean, I get it. And I think it's more likely than not how we heard Mike Brown during the media luncheon. Yeah. I, I think it's certainly likely that he we don't see him until September 12th. But, you know, I, I've, I've waffled back and forth on it, and I see both sides. One more question. We'll sw- uh, squeeze it in. Zach Mudispa asking, Tyler Eifert's still out there. Why not bring him home to the Bengals? Also, Geno Atkins still doesn't have a team, Jake. Should the Bengals be interested in either one of those guys? No, next question. There you go. All right. Wow. <laughs> I mean. What, that simple. No yeah, Gino. I, you don't like Gino. Okay. I, I would, of course, take Gino. It's just not happening. So I don't see a reason to talk about it, I guess, is, is, is where I'm at with this question. There are other free agent interior defensive linemen that are very similar in pedigree to Gino Atkins out there. Not quite as good of careers because he was truly great. But there are options if they want to go sign a defensive lineman. And I, I truly believe that that bridge, maybe not like maybe burned isn't quite the right word, but I just I don't think Gino is coming back. So so that's it. Do you have anything you want to say or can we actually squeeze one last one in about things that are actually happening in training camp real quick? Uh, let's squeeze one more in. What do you okay. got? Or you want me to the, ask it? The last question from Bengal Streak is, do we have an update on the battle the roster battle for third tight end is anybody standing out and this is really a question more for you james because i haven't read anything about this yet i saw one play of thaddeus moss getting tossed when he was trying to run block on the back together saturday in paul brown stadium but has anybody really (laughs) stood out to you when you're watching uh amongst the third tight ends yeah, on Wednesday, so the last time the Bengals practiced, yeah, he, he Thad Moss <laughs> stood out a couple times, and I thought the tight ends uh, beat the linebackers in one-on-ones pretty regularly. It was the first time we saw that matchup. I, I've seen Mitchell Wilcox a couple times move well, which is something he did in college, the undrafted free agent from from last year. So I think it's a real battle in that room, and, and obviously Thad Moss has the friend advantage, but the, the thing that we don't know yet is the, the special teams part of it. And that's what's going to decide it. I, I really feel that way, I think, as much as anything. Because a lot of these guys, they move pretty well, and they can catch, right? Like Thad Moss can catch. Uh, yeah, Mitchell Wilcox can catch. And uh, who am I forgetting? I'm forgetting someone here. Mason Shrek, maybe? Mason Shrek. Yeah, he made a couple plays in the red zone. I was just forgetting his name. Um, and my, the roster's right there. Didn't want to pull it up. But yeah, I... Uh, I think Mason Shrex, uh look good too. Like so, to me, it's going to come down to preseason. But passing game wise, and a lot of this is during drills because we know how the offenses play during eleven on elevens for the most part. Um, they've made some nice catches and some nice plays on the ball. And so, to your point, blocking special teams, mm-hmm. which guys can do that and which guys do that consistently. I think that's what it's going to come down to. And we'll find out a little bit more about how that's going when the Bengals are back in their padded practices this weekend. Our next episode comes your way on Sunday. That'll be on YouTube and everywhere you get your podcasts from an audio perspective. Until next time, Bengals fans, who day and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.